0: Welcome to the Nonprofit Utopia Podcast, formerly known as Nonprofit U. Our podcast is an extension of our community, and we provide a forum where nonprofit stakeholders can share lessons learned and discuss the latest developments in the industry. My name is Valerie your host. I'm the founder of Nonprofit Utopia, the ideal community for emerging nonprofit leaders. I work with nonprofit organizations to help them make a stronger impact to their clients and communities. You can find out more about us on nonprofitutopia.com, Facebook, and Twitter. I encourage you to follow us and to comment early and often using the hashtags nonprofitutopia as well as grassroots collaboration and Callaway. You can also leave comments on blogtalkradio.com forward slash nonprofitutopia. The chat room is open, and you can post comments and questions. In order to use the chat room, you must open a listener-only account. You'll find a link to open the account on the page for this episode right underneath the chat box. You can also email me questions at ValerieFLeonard at NonprofitUtopia.com, but I will say that I will be so engrossed in this conversation that I won't be able to get back to you during the podcast. We'll be taking questions by phone and from our chat room at about the 30-minute mark or so. The call-in number is 347-884-8121. Again, that number is 347-884-8121. In case you didn't remember it, if you're watching this on Blog Talk Radio, you can get this number on the episode page. We encourage you to sign up for our mailing list to keep abreast of the latest developments with the nonprofit Utopia Community. We've included a link to our mailing list in the comments section. So, today's guest is Will Calloway. For nearly four years after shooting 17-year-old Laquan McDonald to death, Chicago police officer Jason Van Dyke was convicted of second-degree murder and 16 counts of aggravated assault. Most people believe the conviction would be impossible. Given our country's track record with police-involved shootings, they were wrong. What was it about this case that was different? What lessons can be learned from this case that transcend police reform? William Calloway, the activist who filed a lawsuit against the city of Chicago to release the dashcam video of the Laquan McDonald shooting, will talk about the importance of community collaboration and bring about social justice and police reform, these lessons are readily applicable to any systems change work. So, William, thank you so much for being a guest with us today. Before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Thank you, Valerie, for having me. Yes, my name is William uh, Calloway. I'm a community Mm -hmm. organizer from the neighborhood of South Shore on the southeast side. Um, of the city, um I got into activism several years ago um because of the unfortunate tragic death of Miss Rickia Boyd. She was a african American woman who was shot and killed by an off duty police officer um in the city of chicago, and after her death um I began to start. I felt compelled to start organizing organizing, and getting involved in any way that I could around police reform. Um, and that's a, sort of, she is sort of the reason that I'm here today.
0: Oh, okay, awesome. And, you know, the Rakia Boyd, that, that case happened in the North Lawndale community, and I'm from North Lawndale, and, you know, that is, still a sore spot with many of us and and through your work and work of other activists, you know, in the community and other communities, you know, that is work that is still being done. So how did you come to work with the Laquan
2: McDonald case? Oh yeah, so um
1: I I overheard the, well, I was watching the news one day. It was around March two thousand and fifteen and the attorneys for the laquan McDonald estate were they were being they were being interviewed about laquan's case and they were stating that the family was preparing to file a wrongful death lawsuit against the city of chicago um and during discovery. Where this information evident, evidentiary information is received by both parties, um, they came across a dash cam showing the, the footage of uh, Laquan being shot by officer uh, then officer Jason van Dyke and the the attorney began to describe what the what we and the rest of the world have now, now saw. Um, this 17-year-old young man um, with a three-inch blade knife in his hand um, going northbound on South Pulaski Road and began to walk diagonally uh, two lanes away from Chicago law enforcement. Um, And this officer approaching getting out of his car within five seconds, discharging his weapon, the first two shots shooting Laquan, taking his body down. The rest of the remaining 14 shots inside, inside of Officer Van Dyke's magazine was shot into Laquan's body while he laid there defenseless. And so that's how I found out because of this lawyer describing the videotape. A month later, I, I, I talked about Rakia Boyd in the last question. A month after that, the officer who killed Rekia Boyd went on trial, and he was acquitted. He was uh, acquitted for manslaughter. And um after that we was we was really devastated in the black community and the activist community. But I remembered, you know, God brought it back to my attention about this Laquan McDonald video and to pursue it. And then and then I was connected with a journalist by the name of Brandon Smith. Um mm-hmm. and then we proceeded to file a FOIA requesting the video and the rest is history.
0: Okay, awesome. So Brandon Smith. Can you tell us a little bit about him? He he's also a he a local hero for us. Can you give us just a little bit of his background?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Brandon is a a, a great friend, something like a brother of mine at this point. Oh. Um He's an independent journalist. I think Brandon was working. um, I think he was working in a a restaurant at the time, and he would do freelance journalism when he wasn't working at the restaurant. And I met him through a mutual friend of, of, of ours, and I told him about this videotape, the existence of this videotape. I told him how important this was. To the, to the black community, to the activist community, and I just think to the to the city at large, how important this video was that it needed to be released. And um, he felt the same way as a journalist who who fights for transparency. He foyers a lot of different things throughout the years, and he thought he felt the same way. And I definitely, he is definitely a co-partner of mine, and definitely a co instrument, and reason why that Laquan McDonald video was released.
0: Okay, awesome. And I know you've already started talking a little bit about it. Um, we are just asking, you know, for the benefit of those who may be listening who are not familiar with the case, could you give us a brief overview? And you've already kind of started that. Is there anything else you wanted to add to the story that you started, or should we wait for, you know, the other questions?
1: I mean, I think it's important, um, if I may, just to point out that, you know, Jason Van Dyke did murder Laquan. But I think there's so many uh, other factors that needed to be discussed about um, the Laquan McDonald case. The fact that it was eight or nine officers on the scene that did not fire their weapon. Um, look, Jason Van Dyke was the only one that fired his weapon that night. It was officers, Officer Officer McGilliot, who testified at the trial, said he was really the first, him and Officer Gaffney were the first ones on the scene, and they followed Laquan for approximately three blocks and never did they feel in danger where they had to fire their gun. And there, Officer McGilliot said he had his gun drawn and never did he uh, fire his weapon. On top of that, the the nine officers that was there, um, all falsified the police reports. Every single officer that was on the scene um, gave a contradicting description in their police report on what actually happened. And it contradicts everything that we saw on that dash cam. And um, next month, three of those nine officers are facing criminal charges for conspiracy obstruction of justice, and official misconduct. And we need to hold those police accountable. We need to make sure that we destroy this blue code of silence in the Chicago Police Department. And we also, lastly, we also feel that it was a collusion with the bureaucrats, with the mm-hmm. the elected officials, with the aldermen, with the mayor, with uh. The General Corporation Council for the City of Chicago, Steve Patton, um, Anita Alvarez. We all think they were in on to cover up this young man's death and keep it hidden from the public. And we need to hold all those that were involved responsible.
0: Okay, and you know, to that,
1: I mean, accountable.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah, and and to that sentiment, um, there's no f- small feat. You know, the political landscape has been shaken up considerably since that case. You want to give us an update as to what has changed politically since this case has come to light?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, the first one was we saw the termination of Superintendent Gary McCarthy, which this shooting and dozens of other um, unjustified police shootings had happened under his watch. We saw uh, the Department of Justice come and do uh, an investigation, a federal investigation of the Chicago Police Department, which concluded that Chicago Police Department was indeed a racist institution that was indeed violating the rights of thousands of African Americans throughout the years. Um, um, also, we saw that the ousting of state's attorney, Anita Alvarez, who saw the tape, had the tape in her custody, but, for four hundred days, did not press charges on Jason Van Dyke. She did not have any additional evidence. she didn't have any additional witnesses. Everything that she had it from the first moment that she took the case she had on the four hundred day when she when she pressed charges, and we saw her be removed by the voters um in March of two thousand and sixteen, and the voters ultimately decided that Kim Fox um should be her successor. Uh, so those are some of the things that even now with uh, with Mayor Rahm Emanuel deciding or announcing that he would not seek a third term and not seek re-election, these are some of the things, the ripple effects that this video has had on, on the city of Chicago at large and the county of Cook. And um, we're glad to see that some type of justice is being taken for what happened to Laquan because so many people were in on this cover-up. One person pulled the trigger, but it was dozens of people that tried to cover it up. And we, we want to um, point out that this, this had a, 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 a horrendous effect on our black community, so we're glad to see some justice is being done.
0: And we definitely in the community want to say thank you your service, you know, just before we came on, you know, we were talking, you know, there's a significant difference in our ages, um, I'm not sure mm. how old you are, but I, I have a feeling I'm significantly older, and sometimes, you know, when you're out there, and you're a little battle-worn, and you, you kind of feel like you know mm. what the consequences of bucking the system are, so to speak, mm. uh, people will probably laugh, mm-hmm. they Describing myself this way because sometimes I walk head into negative consequences for or speaking mm. out. But just generally speaking, you know, when you get to be my age, and I'll say I'm, I'll be 55 tomorrow, so I'll be a senior citizen. Oh, wow, okay. Starting tomorrow, but, you know, you, you get to a point where you don't want to stick your neck out, or if you do, you kind of stick your neck out, but not wholeheartedly, because one, you don't know if people are going to be with you. Two, um, you have to weigh the the consequences, you know, retaliation yeah. and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think you're fortunate enough to be one, you know, a man of faith, but two, younger where you have not experienced a heck of a lot of pushback, but I must say, so, you didn't choose small battles to
3: be your first battle. You know,
0: you, you have, you know, really encountered some giants. So, you know, my hat is definitely off to you and to some of, you know, the younger people who were with you. And, and I did see a couple older people. um
2: Absolutely. Absolutely
0: yeah but for the most part, it seemed like younger people what is it about the younger generation you think and and I'm sure we'll get into this more that that um energized them what is it about, about them
1: uh yeah so i i just i want- i wanted to definitely notate that this was definitely a intergenerational movement um I think it was it might it has been perceived that it was youth-led, which I may have to agree with that. But collectively, it was an intergenerational movement. Um, now, as far as the millennials and the youth, I just think it's probably it's a spirit amongst us where it's just that, you know, enough is enough uh, type of sentiment. Like, you know, you're not going to continue to do us the way you have been doing us. You know the Chicago Police Department has shot since in the past seven years they have shot 195 residents. 95 of those have been fatal. You know, and out of 195 shootings, only two have went to court, and one was Jason Van Dyke, and one was Dante Dante Servin, the officer who shot Raquel Boyd. So the, all this injustice is starting to weigh on us heavily and you know, for us to be silent and for us to be complacent and not do anything about it, it was in that's a crime and it for us is a, a crime and an indictment on our community if we did. And so we wanted to rise up. We was peaceful in all us rising up. We was we always tried to uh gather Uh, peacefully and assemble and protest peacefully, demonstrate peacefully, and we did that, and we did that effectively. And that's something that we wanted to show the rest of the world, that we didn't have to destroy our neighborhoods to get justice or to be heard. We didn't have to loot our neighborhoods to get justice or be heard. But we had the, the power of God was with us, the strength of God was with us, and we stood on what we believed was right and standing up against injustice and these giants, as you said, we did the right thing, and, and I hope that, that the history will reflect that we prevailed.
0: Yes, yes, yes. And before I remind people of with whom we're speaking, you know, it's interesting that of all those cases, the two that actually came to light were um, North Lawndale-based. So I have to give my...
2: Wow. Name. To the right. folks
0: from North Lawndale, too, you know, for um, you know, for really speaking out and making this happen. Um, it takes many, many, many voices um, to to affect this change. So I want to remind our listening audience that you're listening to the nonprofit Utopia podcast, and we're speaking with community activist William Calloway. We'll be taking questions from our listening audience and chat room at about the 30-minute mark. The call-in number is 347-884-8121. And also, I want to let you know, too, that we've noticed that our international audience is growing, and we would like our podcast guests to reflect views from around the world. So if you're listening from a country other than the United States, and you know of heads of NGOs that we should be considering having on the show, please give us an email at info at So, Winn, you've already started answering this question, and we just want to lay it out for our audience. So, digging just a little bit deeper, can you tell us who the major actors were in this case and what their roles were?
1: Okay, so you have you have I feel the main character that deserves all the recognition and his name to be lifted up is the victim and the deceased, which is Laquan McDonald. Um, you have the offender um, and the villain in in this case, one of the villains in this case. Um, and there's another reason that we, we're even here today because of his unreasonable actions, is a, a former Chicago police officer, Jason Van Dyke. Um, you have also several officers who were on the scene, such as Jason Van Dyke's uh, partner, Officer Walsh, um, Detective March, and Officer Gaffney. Uh, those three officers are going to go on trial, stand trial next month for conspiracy and obstruction of justice. Also, you have uh, different other actors, um, such as Mayor Rahm Emanuel, State's Attorney Anita Alvarez, former Chicago Police Department Superintendent Gary McCarthy. Um, you have a journalist like uh, Jamie Calvin, who, who first notified the public of the object of, of Laquan, showing that he was shot 16 times. Um you have my uh, brandon Smith and myself who went out to the FOIA to to foyer the dash cam so it could be made public to the world um yeah, I think those are just to name to name a few um and then you have people after the fact after the you know post the video coming out like judge Garn who was the judge over the case you have the the special prosecutor joseph Big who prosecuted the case. You have Daniel Herbert, who was the defense lead attorney for Jason Van Dyke. Um and I think those are just to name a few to put in perspective of some people who played some some roles in this in this in this in this story. Right.
0: So this was a very complex case, many, many very and I'm sure very, very many moving yeah, you know, many moving pieces at any given point mm. in time. So you mentioned the FOIA request, right? So that that was the turning yeah. point. You got the FOIA request. Yes. The information yes. was released. And can you give us a little bit of information about that process and the legal strategy that followed? And I, I know this seems like a very painstaking process, you know, perhaps to you, maybe to some of our listeners, but I don't want to assume that any of us knows all the facts about the case. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important for us to lay this backdrop, so to speak, and then once we can lay this out, figure out what the lessons are, and then apply those to some of the work that many of us do on a day-to-day basis as it relates to Mm -hmm. systems So. So for those of you who are not um familiar with my style, I I'd like to um uh, start with the general and then boil down to the specific. So if it's taking us a little bit longer for us to get to, you know, why you why you tuned in, which is to to find out how some of these lessons can be applied to what you do, just bear with us. We are almost there. So without <laughs> further ado, can you hmm. Uh, tell us about
3: the
1: process and then the legal strategy absolutely so one major uh one major person that I did not just mention in that list of people was a uh, cook county judge uh, franklin v- valderrama franklin Valderrama, R- Rama, if you will is the the judge that that heard our case um, mm-hmm. and he ordered court ordered for the release of the Laquan McDonald video to be made public. So for the fo- for folks that don't know, in the state of Illinois you have a FOIA statute. FOIA is an acronym for Freedom of Information Act. And in that Freedom of Information Act, you as a private citizen, um, you are entitled to request any document from any public agency or department in the in the government, whether it's state federal, local, any government, public entity, you have the right to request information from. Um, In this case, uh, that document or information, the the documents or information that we were requesting was the video. Um, Now, there are some types, there are exemptions in the state of Illinois which will prohibit you from receiving a FOIA request. Um, it's, only, it's only a couple, and I, I would challenge your listeners to read up on, on, on those exemptions. But by law, once you request, once you uh, request a FOIA or you submit a FOIA, the agency that you're requesting requesting from has a legal five days, five business days to respond. the the stat The Illinois state statute also gives them an additional five business days for an extension. So uh, that brings it to a totality of 10 business days. If mm-hmm. that agency has not satisfied your FOIA your request, right, you have the right to sue. You have the right to appeal through Lisa Madigan's office, or you have a right
2: to sue.
3: You have
1: a right to tell a judge to go in front of a judge and mm-hmm. and have your case be heard in front of a judge and let the judge know that this agency is withholding information from the public illegally. And in the case of Laquan McDonald, when we went went in front of Judge Franklin Valderrama, the city of Chicago, Rahm Emanuel's lawyers were claiming that they were withholding this information because the state statute allowed it because of those special exemptions. But our attorney, Matt Topic, who also didn't name Matt Topic argued that those, those exemptions that the lawyers for the city were claiming were not applicable, and in this case, that they were illegally illegally withholding the videotape from the public. On uh, the, I believe it was uh, October twenty third, we had oral arguments in front of this judge. Uh, this judge, I think, just kudos to Matt Topic. I'm not just saying this because he was our attorney. He did an excellent and phenomenal job in oral arguments. I thought he did such a stellar job that the, the judge was going to make a ruling or decision on that day. But the judge told us that he would make a decision. And on November 19th, the judge brought us back, um, and he ruled in our favor and ordered that the city of Chicago was to release the video showing the fatal shooting of Laquan McDonald. So pretty much that is the legality. It's a very simple process. You just send an email or a letter to the FOIA department of any agency. You let them know what specific document you are requesting, and then they have up to 10 business days to satisfy that request. If they do not, satisfy that request, I definitely I highly recommend you reaching out to Matthew Topic. He specializes in FOIA. He's a FOIA lawyer. That's what he does for a living and a trade um, to make sure that the government is uh, appropriately doing their job. Um, I think that we all should be have that power and that right to request any information. So if you have any problems, if your your listeners have any problem requesting for your information, I highly recommend Matt Topic, who represented us in Laquan, uh, in Laquan, McDonald Take him coming out.
0: Okay, so how do you spell Matthew's last name?
2: Your uh, Matthew
1: is, yeah, Matthew common spelling, topic is T O P I C. Matthew common spelling, uh, topic um, T O P I C. Um, and he works for a law firm called Lovey & Lovey. Um, It's a civil rights law firm. They're responsible for the exoneration of a lot of African-American men who were were wrongfully convicted, Um, and Matt works in the FOIA department of that civil rights firm.
0: Okay, awesome. And, you know, it's really timely, I think, that you talk about FOIA requests because, you know, um, depending on what type of work you do, you know, within nonprofit or just community activism, nine times out of ten you're going to need to FOIA some documents. So, for example, for yeah. me, when I was active in Lawndale working with TIF and a lot of the advocacy we did around TIF, I ended up, you know, writing several FOIA requests to get information around some of the TIFs that were, you know in you know, in effect. In the community, Um, other instances where you may need to get a FOIA, you know, if you're doing school reform, you know, I've often um, written FOIA requests to get school data so that I could, you know, look at performance as well as, you know, other statistics around, you know, some of the schools in North Lawndale and compare that to other places. You know, um, I can remember, mm-hmm. and I think the state of Illinois is just absolutely horrible, at least under this current administration, uh,
3: with mm-hmm. FOIA
0: requests. Um,
3: mm-hmm.
0: I, I didn't find them to be responsive. I mean, they would send me a response saying they had no records, no such records. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, I would send them FOIA requests, you know, surrounding some of the contracts for you know, social service agencies that may have um had their contracts unilaterally terminated by the state, you know. How they could not
4: mm-hmm.
0: have such information and they're the ones actually terminating the contracts. You know, so had I known about Matthew at the time, you know, we could have, you know, actually gone after the state to to get some of that information because You know, there's some people who may know, others may not know, the state of Illinois under this current governor. um, You know, we, we didn't have a budget for almost, going on three years, about two and a half years, we didn't have a budget under this administration. And, you know, he cut services and he cut contracts. And I wanted to better understand how that was impacting our community. And living in Bondale, you kind of know that it's uh, a disparate impact, but if you have those data, you know, where the contracts are being terminated, you know, that just strengthens your your hand in terms of public policy work. So I was just breaking that down to let people know that you don't just need a FOIA in the case of, you know, say, uh, law enforcement, you know, anytime you are – looking at data, you know, as Will has told us, um, you should understand that you can, in fact, sue if the government is not being cooperative. So we have um, two callers on the line. They may or may not have comments for us, but I'm going to um, make their mics live in the event that they do have comments. If you don't have comments, um, you'll just be silent. Um, if you do have questions or comments, please share. The first person has phone number 773-425-4113. So I'm going to make your mic live, and if you have any uh, questions or comments, can you let us know right now? Okay. Hello? Okay, so I...
4: Hello. Hello? Oh, okay. Hi. Hello, hi. This is Yvette Moyo. How are you?
0: Oh, great. How are you,
2: Yvette?
4: I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm loving the conversation. I've heard the story before, but I really do like uh, listening to William Calloway. And so, you know, I do salute him. I salute you. You are the only two people that have ever replaced me with a message in our magazine, The South Shore Current. Because I have such high regard for both of you. So I have to have you both here. It's wonderful. Um, my question is um, Real Man Charities, our nonprofit, um, has been around since 2003, about 13 years after Real Man Cook Events were created on Father's Day. And we have an interest in um, social justice. And I'm, I'm a you know, great marketer, so we put out a lot of. Information about um, about the community and um, but uh, and we now at the quarry, we, our social enterprise of real men charities hosts the quarry event center, and so we are um, working with a lot of formerly um, you know formerly incarcerated men in the South Shore area, and but that's not our you know that's not our our silo. Our silo is, you know, building healthy families and communities, but we can't at all ignore the fact that so many of our men in this community are, you know, formerly incarcerated. So, William, my question to you is with your work, do do you have a specific um, uh, interest or activity or track record working in that area with formerly incarcerated males? Oh.
1: Yeah, hey, man, thank you for the question. Um, so I, I would like to think that social justice is a broader scope of everything, and I think criminal justice, and uh, it falls under that, and that's something I've been really focused in and devoting a lot of our, my time to. And I think um, making sure that we keep the recidivism rate among black men at an at extreme low point is very important. And, yes, I do work with uh, men and women that have been formerly incarcerated in, in the state penitentiary and trying to get them back into second chance programs, get their, um, get their uh, records expunged and have programs like that to sort of get them into so because we don't see a lot of reentry programs. And the state doesn't right. offer that or help help people with reentry back into society once they paid their debt to society. And I think that's very problematic. But I want to work with you and I, I want to work with so many others who might have some innovative ideas on how we can collectively come together and help our brothers yeah. and sisters out, um, get back into as, as uh, productive members of society in the community. So I'm all for that.
4: Yeah, I think I would love, love to have coaching from Valerie to, you know, uh, or maybe she becomes our consultant to look at both our organizations and say how we can complement each other in that particular area because um, we do not have the capacity um, to take that on separately from the other things that we do, which is like healthy kid cooking and men's wellness, uh, you know, physical, mental Health, et cetera. So, um, you know, if we could, is that what you do, Valerie? Or tell us how Mm -hmm. your professional expertise would come into play here.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. That is something I could work with you guys with offline, um, assessing your strengths and how you might better partner together. And then I also know of some other initiatives that you might want to tap into Um, so yeah so making marriages and and helping people to strengthen their partnerships and all that good stuff that's part of what I do in organizational development
4: that's why I'm on the call because I I did think so and we run so fast and we do admire you know everyone's work but sometimes we don't I wanted to be on this call to listen for a collaboration and in this particular area
0: Okay. Well, you're definitely in the right place. You're in the right place. We want to keep, okay. uh, lay, you know, lay the groundwork and then, you know, go into the collaboration a little bit later.
4: Okay. And, and we're finding that our guys from South Shore are going to the West Side to get the support services, and they have been successful in, in, uh, in you know, navigating their lives outside of the system. But I'm just discovering in the last couple of weeks that they go to the website for services that are not available here in South Shore and our numbers in South Shore for the formerly incarcerated are are large and growing so we've got it we got to get on this as soon as possible so we'll give you a call William why don't we give her a call later the week in the week uh, to see if we can you know begin begin working on how we structure our initial meeting if you if you know if you want to do that
0: yeah, mm,
3: that's
4: that sounds awesome. good. Thank okay, you so much for
0: that. Yeah, I see. We you also well. have another caller, but yeah, we we definitely have to be in touch. And you know, I, I can think of a couple other people who are doing work on the south side that you might want to talk to as well. We we do recognize that there's a birth of services out that
4: way. Okay, great. That okay,
0: sounds great. Awesome. Nice. Thank you so much. All righty. Thank you. I, I am going to call on um, the person whose phone number is 773-209-4712. If you have a question, um, jump right in. If you don't have a question and you're just listening, um, then you can remain silent. Um, I'm going to turn your mic hey, on. Hey, Valerie? Yes, ma'am. Hi. Um,
3: Hi. I can't hear you. I'll drop it. Okay. Wait, can can you hear us? Hi. Valerie? Yes, ma'am. Hi, this is Bonnie McEwen, and um, I, I am such a big fan of both you and William Calloway um, because of your tireless efforts to get the Thank truth you. out. And uh, I have with me another fan, Larry Taylor.
2: Hey, hey Val.
3: Hey, Larry, hey. how are you? And how are you, Bonnie?
4: How Thank are you doing, so calling.
3: Great, thanks. Yeah, we uh, we just wanted to say that it's just such an amazing thing to have a, both of you on the same show. And, uh, you know, just carry on. I know you both made enormous sacrifices. We applaud for him for what he's doing.
2: We applaud him. Thank you. We applaud what he's doing. We appreciate what Thank he's doing. He's doing great work in the community. We he really is. appreciate that.
1: Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you. Thank you.
3: And yeah, just so we'll clear out and everybody else can talk. But do we just wanted to give you big props? Okay, awesome. Oh, we thank can, you so yeah.
1: much. I appreciate that. <laughs> thank you.
0: Yeah, Bonnie okay. McG, you and you wanna um talk about your organization just mention your organization and then Larry can talk about what he does. Um one minute <laughs> we'll to another another
3: question. But I, I do appreciate your calling in. Okay. Well, just briefly, we're, we're trying to rebrand the west side as a, uh, instead of guns and drugs, blues and soul, and um, the south side as well. I think there's so many wonderful cultural things that the African American community has brought to the city that are not getting recognized, and the positivity of that is one way to overcome some of the negativities that, that you all had to talk about today. Okay, great. And Larry, did you want to? share anything right quick
0: before we go to the next question?
2: Yeah, Val. Can you hear me?
0: Yes, sir. Can I hear
3: it?
0: Larry? Yeah, I, I, okay. I, I heard okay.
3: Larry.
2: Oh, can you hear me Val? Oh yeah. yeah well, well my thing my thing would be, you know, after we can deal with uh, some of these criminal justice issues and uh clear to add with a lot of this stuff with these illegal killings and going on about uh, black people and other people of color too, well maybe we can jump down on the issue of dealing with uh how the um the establishment here in Chicago is oppressing artists by not uh, letting artists come out in front blocking them from festivals and everything. You know, Val, you know, we, I was on your show and we talked about a lot of this stuff. So, but we, we have this same issue, and uh, I agree with William and everything he said. You know, Ron, he definitely, as Matt, he has to go because he's one of the main problems. I mean, there are so many issues I can say about him with the gerrymandering and, and gentrification and all these various things that's going on. And I agree with what William's saying. You know, you just can't leave in a few uh, uh, officials. You got you got to get rid of all the bad apples and replace them with people who's going to do the job right. That, now, that's my comment.
3: And I know both of you are run for public office, and maybe it was like you all were both ahead of your time or something. But we need more people like you, either to support people running for office or to run yourself if you feel so inclined.
0: Thank you so yeah. much. Thank you. We appreciate that, and I'm going to uh, turn it over to Will um, and see if, Will, can you respond to Larry's, I guess, concern? You know, I guess basically he's saying that this issue is not just a Laquan McDonald thing. You know, there are systemic issues with the way the city treats artists, particularly black artists. And so so, if mm-hmm. you were in his shoes and you're trying to develop, you know, a, a grassroots movement, so to speak, where might you start? And, and I know, you know, I don't want to give the impression that Larry Taylor and Bonnie are novices because they're not, they've been out here a while. But, you know, mm-hmm. w- what are some of the strategies you might recommend for grassroots groups to get together to begin address some of those inequities, so if you're a group of artists, you don't like some of the policies as it relates to you know playing in venues what what might you do at the starting point?
3: That's
1: a great question that is a a very great question and I would probably have to suggest the traditional organizing tactics is that you you find like minded people. Just as yourself, that are passionate and care about the issues that you care about, um, collectively meeting often, um, coming up with strategies and executing them. Um, after you put them in, 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 in after you coordinate a plan of attack, and then you start executing them. But it's important that you coll- that you gather people that are passionate and that care about the same issues as you do and um come up with a strategy. I also want to touch on the, the, the communal mm-hmm. violence that the brother was talking about in the African American community. Um what that's something that's very important to all of us and I know that I know I get critiqued a lot because for some for some reason um certain people or individuals think that activists police reform activists only care about when a white officer shoots a black man or a black woman, and that's not the case. Social justice, is, is that's what it is, social justice. We care about uh, police violence. We care about community injustices. We care about food
2: injustices,
1: housing injustices. We care about it all. The thing about the media and attention is that when, you, we, when we galvanize and we make noise around a police shooting, that gets the most attention. They don't They don't see the 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 fires that we attempt to put out inside the community that doesn't that positivity doesn't get covered as much, um especially in my neighborhood of South Shore. We did three peace treaties in the past several years, and that's hard thing, that's hard things to do, but oh, yeah. you can never you can never really address communal violence until you get down to the root. It's not the guns. It, guns are just this is what I try to tell people guns are just a convenient method to display anger okay that's just the the method that they use Yes, that's part of the problem, but that's not the primary problem if you're gonna address uh if you're gonna address intercommunal violence, you have to address poverty you have to address the housing conditions you have to address the education system you have to uh, address all the things that's creating this community and this environment, the mental wellness conditions of our people. It's a lot of undiagnosed individuals in the black community that suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, people that have been shot, people who have watched people get shot or murdered, people who have lost ones that have, that have, that have lost loved ones and have not uh, really dealt with the root cause of, of their depression and how to cope with, cope with grief. And so therefore, all these things bubbling in their in our community, the thing that they do is they take it out to the, to the, on the person that's right next to them, and they don't know they don't know about conflict resolution skills. They don't know about these things until we get to the root cause, several-pronged approach to it. It's not just we need tougher we need more police. Rami Manuel added, added an additional 1,000 police officers on the on the on the uh, streets of Chicago. That did not help deter violence. Okay, so more police is not the vibe. I mean, it's not the the remedy. That's that's proven. We need more resources in our community. More resources, and it has to not just be gun legislation. It can't just be more of police. We have to attack this from different fronts, if we really want to change what's going on in our community. So I wanted to uh, touch on that because he raised a, a valid point about intercommunal violence. I hate to say black-on-black black violence. I hate that terminology, but I, I, I want to say intercommunal violence is real. I just bury a friend uh, Saturday that I just lost. Okay, wow. so it's real. I lost my brother to gun violence. I, I'm a victim of gun violence. I've been shot before. So it's real, and we need to address it.
0: Oh my goodness! Thank you for sharing that. Question for you: um, Do you have a hard stop at three o'clock? Uh, we have quite a few questions um, to go through. At the rate we're going, we're not uh-huh. gonna be done with all the questions by three. Um, do you have a hard stop at three? And if so, I'm gonna have to prioritize real quickly. I, I, I,
1: I can okay. do a five-minute grace for you, darling.
0: Okay, five minutes. Okay, give us five All minutes. Ahead. I am just enjoying <laughs> you as a guest. It's not. We can just come back and you know finish the conversation at an, at another point. You know, because there's just yeah. so much that you have accomplished that I wanted to ask you about. Um, so, I, I guess one of the strategies, and, and I think it's important too, the media strategy. Um, you you can't really do this work effectively, I don't think you know at least not the movement building work you know unless you have a sound media strategy. Did you get training uh with media did you just have kind of a gut instinct for how this works
1: or or what oh uh, that's 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 a good question um i I'm semi-trained. Um, before I got into activism, I was a full-time college student in, at Columbia College here in the city okay. of Chicago. I was a <laughs> I was a film student. I was I was working I was working in, in media, and a film student. So I always had a passion and, and a drive for journalism. Um, I, and I, I always joke with people. I'm like, it's so ironic. God used the video guy. To get the video out, you know, and I think that it just goes to show that how your gift, whatever your gift is or your talent is, God can use that um, to, 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 for you to execute your assignment on earth, whatever your assignment is. Whatever your gift is, is probably going to overlap in your assignment. But to answer, to answer your question, though, I never really had any, no formal training. I didn't finish um, film school like I wanted to because I ultimately, uh, uh, I put that on hold to do organizing in the community, but a lot of it was really God-driven, God-led, and inspired. And just watching, watching people in the past do it, watching the civil rights leaders on how they use the power of press, free press, and the media, and our leaders and, um, in the past to galvanize and amplify their message to the masses Um, Mm -hmm. because mass communication is a huge weapon and it's a a very important weapon and we have to be responsible when we use it Um, because as we see with the current federal administration, uh, what can happen when you don't use mass communication uh, responsibly. So that's, yeah, that's about it.
3: Okay,
0: that's awesome. So on that note, what strategies would you recommend for activists to the media? They may not necessarily have even had what, the, jour- mm-hmm. the journalism training that you had in school.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you didn't yeah, know so anything
0: about media, what would you, where would you start?
1: Yeah, so I, that's another great question. These are great questions. I think that once you create a movement, the press and the media will follow. I think mm-hmm. a movement itself will, will garner the attention that it deserves. Once you have a true movement, you won't need to reach out to press. The press is going to reach out to you. Um, mm-hmm. And that's when you know that the people are really involved. So the keynote is not really to get the media. That shouldn't be the primary focal point as to well, how mm-hmm. we get the press involved. It's really how do we engage the hearts and minds of the community, of the people, okay. to care about this issue. Um and once you do that, I think all the the attention it will garner the attention that it properly appropriately deserves once the people are involved in it and in that movement um but strategically, after that happens, it's important to i think that you know if you if you do something like if you do like a press. A, presser or a press conference, um, try to do it and at, at carry a lot of meaning. Try to do it at the location. Uh, a lot of times when a police murdered somebody or shot somebody, we do a presser at the actual scene of the incident because it carries that impact value to the viewers that this is where it happened at, okay? This is the individual's family that is suffering from this. This is the community that's been affected by this Um So that's one way. And just make sure that the message in its own point, that it's concrete, that it can't be misconstrued, Um, because a lot of times there will be attempts from certain powers that be outside influencers, but they will try to distort your message. So make Mm -hmm. sure that not only that you have a concrete and clear message, but those people around you as well have a clear and concrete message that can that can um, so, sort of echo you as well. But I think once you do that, you'll be okay. You'll have yourself a movement.
0: I love it. I love it. Um, so, again, I just want to remind our listening audience that you're listening to the Nonprofit Utopia podcast, and we're speaking with community activist William Callaway. We will be taking questions if you have them still. We still have about... Uh, about six minutes for you to call in that number is 347-884-8121 again that number is 347-884-8121 and before we get back into our interview I just want to tell you a little bit about Nonprofit Utopia we are the ideal community for emerging nonprofit leaders and we've created a safe environment in which our members can innovate Speak candidly about the issues and concerns they face on a daily basis and share ideas and resources. If you want to learn more, go to NonprofitUtopia.com. That is our public website. And then our community website is NonprofitUtopia.mn.co. So back to you, William. Uh, Most people didn't think Jason Van Dyke would be brought to court let alone convicted of murder for shooting Laquan McDonald. And this would not have been possible, but for the grace of God, your lawsuit to make the video public and grassroots activism. And you touched on movement already, but can you share some of the strategies that you use to get others involved in what has literally become a movement taking on a life all of its own?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of this is sort of, you know, it really has a lot to do with marketing because um, a lot of people do not do not know the things that are – they didn't know that the police shot 200 people past year. Well. They know the police shoot people, but they didn't know it was that high value. So a lot of this has to do with public education, and it has a lot to do with marketing. And the thing about marketing is a thing called uh, consumer behavior – and when you have consumer behavior, you got to know how to sort of um, get the consumer, the people that's consuming your message, um, how to, how you want to get them to sort of react. And we're not we're not selling anything; we're trying to sell a message, hoping that folks will buy into it and believe in it. But it's trying to sort of tap into the hearts of those consumers. So I think once you make it uh, personable, and you make your your message personable. To people, I think that helps with your your movement. It helps you galvanize. It helps you agitate. It helps you uh, uh, progress. And that's the things that you need to do. You need to galvanize first. Then you can agitate, and then and then you uh, see some progression after that. Hopefully, if you you know if you do it right. But in, in, but each under each three of those scopes, there's certain things that you should be doing. Once you or once you galvanize the things that you need to be doing, Uh once you agitate is things that you need to be looking forward to doing. And even as you progress, you need to be uh, organizing to do things more. So, uh, though, yeah, those those are some, some, several steps and factors I think that helped us. And I think uh, hopefully it'll help the rest of the, the city and even beyond that, to hope the country, you know, really fight social injustices. Um, you know, and whatever focus focus point they're focusing on. It's a lot of it's a lot of fights to fight. Um oh, and I, know. I think everybody needs to need <laughs> everybody needs I'm to get somewhere down. and do some fighting. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> I, I I feel like I'm fighting the hydra headed monster. You, you know, there's, mm-hmm.
2: there's
3: a fight on
0: every hand and you know, you really can't do it all, you know, things like as soon as you yeah. cut off one head, another one, uh, actually two, emerge. You, you know, because there's just so many mm-hmm. challenges. There's justification, affordable housing, there's public mm-hmm. safety, police shootings,
3: mm-hmm.
0: Olympics, mm-hmm. and all that other stuff. But that's neither here nor there. I just want to finish up with a question about collaboration. Um, clearly, no one mm-hmm. person could do this by himself, and you never proclaim. To be the sole person doing this, which is what I love about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but clearly, there's been collaboration. Who would you say are some of the early partners in terms of organizations, and how did you get them involved, or was it not organizations? It was just people, you know, coming together and talking about justice.
1: Yes, yes. I think it was a combination of of both, and. Um, I, Again, I I'm, I found out you know, as I was as I spoke about earlier to, to your listeners that I got involved because of Rekia Boyd situation. I only heard about Rekia Boyd's situation because I was in film school. I was making a documentary, and then I got invited to this police violence seminar by a group called the Chicago Alliance Against Political and Racial Repression. Um, ah, they invited me, yeah they they invited me out. To this, and I thought it would have been interesting just to get some footage. And when I went and to, to sort of hear these stories, Martinez Sutton, which is the older brother of Rakia Boy, he got up to speak, and that's how I got informed. So it was a combination. At my starting point, it was a, it was at my ground zero. It was an organization, and it was people. So it was a combination of the of the two. And throughout the years I continue to meet more people, people who have been victimized and lost loved ones, like Laquan's family and Rashad McIntosh family, Dakota Bright family, so many more, man. It's just so many more. And then I start meeting more different organizers and or organizations such as uh BYP one hundred, We Charge Genocide. Um, oh man, it's just, it's so many I—I—I can not I n I, I, I can't I can't name. But though that that was the way that I sort of created a coalition, if you will, of uh, of of groups of organizers, of activists, to start coming together and start making this um this this uh, convict Jason Van Dyke uh, a reality to the city of Chicago, and I I couldn't be more proud. I'm just a small piece of a of a huge a huge puzzle, a huge block and um I'm just glad to be working with so many dope people from across the city who understand what's going on in the city of Chicago and that has the strength, the courage and the you know, the wisdom to get up and stand up and fight fight back.
0: Okay. So what were some of the challenges in holding the coalition together? I know it's really hard to hold an organization together, let alone a correlation, a correlation of organizations and
1: individuals? Yeah, I think one of the biggest challenges is if people bring in coalitions together, they have to remember this, is that, you know, you have to find the commonality amongst you all. The commonality is that we know that we have a problem with, with Chicago police and the way that they treat people. Um, that's the commonality, and we want to change that. We know that what happened to Laquan McDonald was unjust, and we need justice for what happened to him. That was our common ground, our commonality. The, now, the the thing that might be tr- troubling in a lot of coalitions is that once you got the commonality, you know, you got a end goal. Our end goal is to get justice. hmm it becomes problem. It becomes a little confrontational sometimes. I hate to say confrontational. Let me find. Let me digress on that. It becomes. Oh, it's, it's, it's,
2: it's human nature. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It becomes difficult. Is it, the, the 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 difficult part is we all know the end goal, but how do we get there? Right. So every organization might have their own path to success, if you will. Well, I I think our path. The success, of the we should go this way, or they they path to success is that we should go this way, and I think that's the problem. It's sort of just merging those paths together as the best that you can, right? Without swerving in other people's lanes, right? And that's 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 sort of the difficulty part, as you said, because human nature, we we are human. We're not going to agree on everything. Um, and we're passionate about what we believe in. So um, there's that. But overall, I think humans are are decent people when they want to be, and I think that at the end of of the day, we all want the same thing.
0: Okay, one last question before you close. Um, So did you have any mechanisms in place that would help manage conflict? And, And I know conflict sounds like a a bad word, but this uh-huh. is normal. You know, I you know, this uh-huh. is what this is work that I do so we come in contact with organizations that uh-huh. have conflict. Conflict doesn't necessarily have to result in blowing up an organization, you know,
2: you no know, two uh-huh. people
0: exactly alike all the time. So did you put any mechanisms in place up front that would help you to anticipate how to deal with conflict resolution or did you just kinda
4: deal with
1: things as they arose. But uh, I think that's the thing. We, we was we was really battling against time. So we didn't have a lot a lot of things that we had to deal we we had to deal with on the cusp. We had to deal with on the fly. So anytime that we felt like something needed to be addressed or dealt with, we had to just gather together and discuss it maturely Um from a fair perspective, and that's that's typically what we did. I had a great bunch of leaders that I was working with um and they did a phenomenal job with course correction or holding each other accountable or well, and the biggest thing that I liked was the transparency part we We was always open and honest about things a lot of times. I see conflict arise because people are not direct and honest and intentional about how they truly feel about something. And something might transpire that another individual don't like, but they might not speak up on it. So then that happens two or three, four more times, and they don't speak on it. So about a fifth time something happens, and the the lid just completely (laughs) explodes, (laughs) you know, and, that's what we have to try to prohibit, it, not just in coalitions, but just in our personal lives as well, because um, that's something that I see happen in the community, um, and that's why conflict resolution is very important. And that's something that I, I, I really respect and admire about a lot of the leaders that I work with, a lot of the people and organizational groups that I work with is those attributes that they brought to the, to the collective fold. Um, was very respectable um, and very uh, admirable in my personal opinion, and I look forward to doing great work with them in the future.
0: Okay, awesome, awesome. I know you got to go. Um, we're already a <laughs> minute past your hard stop, and I do thank you for giving us, you know, the extra time, Will. Yeah, and, thank you. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to... Let folks know that, yes, we've come to the end of our show, just slightly over, and I'd like to thank community activist William Calloway for being a guest. And before we go, Will, do you have any parting thoughts? And most importantly, can you tell our listening audience how they can get in touch with you?
1: Oh, yes, yes. Follow me uh, on Twitter. Uh, just look like me, uh, William Calloway. Uh, follow me on Twitter. Also on Facebook. Uh, send me a friend request, William Callaway, on Facebook as well. Um, I won't be hard to find. I that's, its only it, you'll be surprised how many William Callaways is. Here. so I think my name pops up first on the top, so you'll see a lot of you'll see a lot of Laquan McDonald propaganda up there. So uh, that that will be I. Um, so Twitter, Facebook, um, and and yeah, and just. Please come out November 20, well, no, October 31st, Jason Van Dyke goes back to court for post-trial motions. As we know, sentencing is very important. Um, it's two words that we're fighting right now. It's consecutive. Uh, the 16 counts of aggravated battery, they, the judge has the discretion to run them, to sentence him consecutively, meaning that he has to do 6 to 30 years for each count individually which will come out to like a minimum sentence of 96 years, or he has the option to sentence him concurrently, meaning that they run together. And for the 16 counts, he's only looking at 6 to 30 years for all 16 counts. So we're hoping that the judge um, sentence him appropriately with a uh, consecutive uh, count for each of those. But we need the community to come out. The, the judge needs to see that the community is involved they, they we care about uh this case and that the we the people of the state of Illinois believe that he should be sentenced um to to consecutively. Um so October thirty first, courtroom five hundred, please come out, you can meet me there. Uh and also next month the officers who falsified the police report, Officer Gaffney, Officer Walsh and Detective March, they'll be in court courtroom two, 203. Domenica Stevenson and um that's November twenty sixth. November Monday, November twenty sixth, next month. They, those officers are going to trial.
0: Awesome. Thank you for that. Is there some way you can email me that and then I can post it on this episode for people to come back to. I can post it in the comment section and people can download those dates or or whatever. hmm Do that offline? <laughs>
1: Absolutely.
0: Okay, great. Thank you so much. Thank you again. Again, thank you for the overtime. I'm going to let you go. And, you know, I want to thank our listening audience for, you know, not only commenting but, you know, staying with us overtime. time. Um, be sure to join us next week. Our guest is going to be Peter Panapinto along with Antoinette Carr. They are the authors of a book, Modern Media Relations for Nonprofits. So they're going to be providing a set of concrete, doable steps for media relations success based on this clear definition of today's broad-ranging media landscape. So I look forward to talking with you guys again next week. And again, Will Calloway, thank you so much for making this an excellent episode. All right, take care. Awesome.
3: Thank you so much, Valerie. Bye-bye.